my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about Bitcoin. We talk about cryptocurrencies. We talk about the decentralized revolution that is happening right now before our very eyes, something that we're living through. And uh, unless you're living under a rock... You know what's going on. Obviously, you're hearing about it at least. Uh, You might be wondering what the heck is going on, or you might be wondering how you can take advantage of it. And so that's what we're going to cover each and every week. I try to bring to you the information that you need to be positioned, to take advantage of it, to prosper from it, um, and just be informed, right? So I try to bring you the latest news stories of the week, the hottest news, so you know exactly what's going on. I try to bring you some education so you got a deeper understanding of what's going on. And I try to bring you some of the, the thought leaders in the space to kind of expand your horizons. You know, they say you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so you need to know. <laughs> How do you do that? Well, you do that by increasing your education, by listening to someone like me each and every week. And like I said, I'll bring on my friends and help you expand it even more. And so, you know, understanding the news, that's great, right? Um, but but sometimes we want to dig deeper in your education. So we'll cover all of those things and more each and every week. So thanks for tuning in. Make sure to set a reminder to join me each and every week on this channel at this time. And, uh, and we'll do that. Now, 
If you miss any of these, don't 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 worry. You can catch me on the podcast. Just look it up there, Mark Moss Show on the podcast. Um, but you know, there's a lot of stuff going on each and every week. Um, one of which is the price of Bitcoin, which, in my opinion, is probably the least exciting piece of Bitcoin. But I still talk about it because it is news, and you know, I want to keep you up to date with what is going on. What I think is going on anyway. Uh, with the price. And I, I talk about the price uh, many times. If you tune in each week, you hear me say it. I, I think the price is, uh, or I call Bitcoin the great bait and switch. You know, the the bait is the price. You come in for the price, but then you get switched. And then you get switched into some of the more freedom or liberty or prosperity or equality measures of Bitcoin. And so you come in for the uh, for the shallow, um, you know, make money thing, and then you get switched into some of the de- the deeper end of the pool, so to speak. Uh, so the price is probably the least important or the least exciting thing, in my opinion. That being said, um, because it is the bait bringing people in. Uh, this week, you know, we we're, we're down a little bit. You know, we got up. Uh, we kind of had this uh, Santa rally, as they call it, um, and we we kind of popped up. Before Christmas on December 23rd, got back over that $50,000 range. And now we're just sitting down just below that. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, uh, maybe you just heard about it at Thanksgiving, uh, you know, sitting around your Thanksgiving table, or you, you know, maybe you got suckered in, uh, or not suckered in, sucked in <laughs> around uh, Christmas at the dinner table with some family, something like that. Um, and so, you know, maybe you're kind of seeing it down for the first time. It was about approximately about $10,000 higher than this um, at Thanksgiving. So if you came in around Thanksgiving, you know, you could be sitting on, you know, about a 15, 15% loss at this point. And you might be going, what the heck happened? What did I get, what did I get into? Uh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, nothing goes up in a straight line. Nothing goes down in a straight line. And, uh, you know, the one thing I just bring to your attention is that if we go back in time, you know, a year ago, we were at about 20,000. So we're still, you know, well over double, about 150% up from where we were just a year ago. Um, and the big thing is, is uh, you know, we went all the way up to 65,000 and we got down into the $30,000 range and we consolidated. So we kind of found support, cleared out some of the weak hands, brought in some of the stronger hands, gained some momentum, shot back up to 69,000. And now we're pulled back and we're kind of consolidating this 50,000. So to consolidate 30,000 and now consolidate at 50,000, it's a pretty good improvement in my opinion. Um, you know, you don't always look at uh, the highest point and where we are from the highest point, uh, but rather look at it, you know, as the progress as it continues to keep going higher and higher and higher and higher. So that's where we're at. Like I said, if you if you got convinced to buy it around uh, Thanksgiving, uh, you're down about 15% on it. Um, it's not the end of the world. Zoom out, have some long, long-term perspective. Now, um, just like, uh, you know, if I use like a real estate analogy, uh, a lot of times, you know, like uh, don't buy a house unless you plan to hold it for at least five years. Um, you might've heard that before. And that's because you have these like real estate cycles. And that's kind of like how long it would take to go from one cycle to the next. So, you know, even if you bought it, maybe the price goes down, but within a few years, it kind of goes back up again. Well, Bitcoin also kind of has these same cycles. Um, I think the longest it had ever been down, I believe, was um, three years. So like there was like no point in history that you would have bought uh, more than three years and been down. As a matter of fact, am I right about that? So it peaked in December 17 and it was down to it, it reclaimed that uh, November 20th. So that's 
Yeah, three years, three years. So it's about three years, um, kind of like a real estate example, five years. So if, you, if, you're, if you're willing to buy it and hold it for three years, uh, that's the longest it's ever been down in history. So I think you should be doing pretty good with that. And so just kind of have that long-term perspective. Also, you know, the way a lot of people that have been in Bitcoin long enough kind of look at it too is like, it's not really an investment. It's like savings. It's where I put my money that I can't afford to lose. A lot of times you hear, don't invest money you can't afford to lose. Well, I look at it like I put the money in that I can't afford to lose. Uh, I don't want to lose my money. I'm going to go ahead and put it in there to hold that value. And um, what I really like to look at instead of what is happening with the price, the short-term price, is really look at what's going on behind the scenes. And so we like to look at typically um, each and every week when I bring to you the latest news that's happened in that week, biggest news headlines of the weekend, I talk to you about two things really. One is the growth of the network. How is the network growing? And what is the development on the network? And so those are, those are the two things that are going to drive the price eventually. And one thing that, uh, that, that I've been looking at this week, a big story, is that um, the amount of Bitcoin and where it's being held or being stored. And so... Um, I did, a, I did a segment about how to secure your Bitcoin. I talked about my buddy who lost a million dollars of Bitcoin on the, on the Coinbase exchange. And I gave you tips of how you can secure that better. If you missed that, um, that episode, go back and check it out on the podcast. Um, but you know, the, the two options that you have would be one, keeping it on the exchange kind of like keeping your money in the bank, like keeping your gold in the bank, or two, I can keep it myself, I can custody it myself, kind of like keeping your gold on your own. And we look at the amount of Bitcoin that's either held personally or held on the exchange. And the reason why that's kind of important is that you would imagine that if Bitcoin is being held on an exchange, then it's more likely to be sold or traded for something else, right? If it's already there, it's easy for me to just cash it in, transfer to stable coins, transfer to another cryptocurrency, etc. But if I have it in cold storage, meaning off of exchanges, off of, uh, you know, not access to the internet, then I'm less likely to want to sell it or trade it or exchange it or whatever. And so that's a, that's an important metrics to look at. And what we can see is that um, we have, uh, we have just met the lowest point of Bitcoin held on exchanges in history. As a matter of fact, one just 1.3 million Bitcoin are left circulating on crypto exchanges. That's 6.3% of the total Bitcoin supply is left on exchange wallets. Only 6.3%. That's small. Of course, we can see that because Bitcoin is an open network. So it's open, meaning... Um, we can see it. It's it's not uh, it's not private. It's open, but it's anonymous. So we don't know who you know belongs to all those addresses. But we can see which ones are held by exchanges, and so only six point three percent are left on those. So it's drying. It's drying up, right? It's drying up. Um, and basically, what that tells us is that a lot of that is probably not going to be sold anytime soon. We can see that it's been trending down over the past year. Um, it was last year, last October of 2020, it was 9.5%. Um, by Christmas of 2020, it was down to 7%. Uh, and now it's all the way down to 6.3%. And that is bullish. That's bullish. What, what do I mean by bullish? That means that's, where, that's, that's a good sign because, like I said, it's showing that people are holding it and they're not planning on selling it. Um, as a matter of fact, we can see the seven-day moving average for Bitcoin's exchange inflow, meaning the amount of Bitcoin that's being purchased and moved onto exchanges has reached also a five-month low. 
and it's continuing to trend down as well. And so what we're just seeing is these retail investors are, are, are holding it illiquid, right? They don't plan on selling it. And that is bullish. You listen to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about Bitcoin and the decentralized revolution. Uh, we're talking about Bitcoin and where it's going. I want to talk more about what's happening with the miners, the Bitcoin miners. Uh, it's big. You don't want to miss it. Don't go away. All right. Welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies and we are talking about the decentralized revolution that's happening. And we're talking about, um, you know, the price of Bitcoin not being that exciting. And so what we want to do is we want to look at the underlying things that are happening around Bitcoin. So that tells us these are like leading indicators that tell us where we think the price of Bitcoin will be going. All right. And so that's what we want to do. We're trying to kind of project protect in the future. I was just saying that uh, we can see the data. Bitcoin is an open network and we can see kind of what wallets are holding what and so forth. And we can see that the amount of Bitcoin being held on exchanges is trending down, 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 down. And we're actually at the, at the lowest point um, that we've been less than about 6% of all Bitcoin owned is actually held on the exchange. Um, there's an old simple uh, investment additive saying that uh, markets stop going up when there's no more buyers and markets stop going down when there's no more sellers. And so if the Bitcoin isn't on an exchange, then it's not looking likely to be sold. And if there's no more sellers, the price can't go down anymore. Does that make sense? And so that's why it's a bullish news. Uh, it's a bullish news. Now, some other news that I think is extremely bullish as well is that we can see that the Bitcoin hash rate nears a record of 200 equihash, um, which is amazing. So what does that mean? Well, the Bitcoin network is protected by the miners, as Michael Saylor calls it, a wall of encrypted energy because you have all these uh, computers, all these miners who uh, have bought this uh, you know, highly specialized computer. Um, a couple of years ago, they were about 3,000 bucks. Today, these things are 7,000, 8,000, $10,000 for a computer. And they're spending, you know, depends on the, the machine and where they're buying their power from, but they could be spending a couple hundred dollars a month on electricity. And so um, they the, the amount of uh, computer power that they use to help secure the network is hash, it's hash rate. And in May of 20, uh, 2021, we saw China um, that had kind of a monopoly on the amount of miners that were in, in their jurisdiction in China, um, over 50% of the network, they shut it down overnight. And just kicked it off, um, and all those miners had to move. Most of them moved over to uh, Texas. Some of them moved over to um, Europe, etc. And so the hash rate, the amount of power, computer power that was being used to secure the network, took a massive dip. Right? Well, obviously, makes sense when you cut off half of the network. Uh, makes sense, right? But um, as of December twentieth, the Bitcoin network network hash rate is the highest it's ever. Been. And so what's good about that is it's it's resilient. So whenever you see the asset price, um, a lot of times people say, oh, Bitcoin's like the tulip, like a tulip mania, right? Well, when the tulip bulb, when the tulip mania crashed, it never came back. When Bitcoin has crashed over and over and over again, and it comes back bigger, and it comes back bigger, and it comes back bigger. That's not the same as a tulip mania. It's not the same as a beanie, beanie babies, right? Like uh, we're talking about the most encrypted, the most secure computer network in the history of the world. And whenever it's crashed, it's come back stronger and stronger. And so into this point, the hash power, the amount of people that are willing to sink massive amounts of money, like I said, it costs you know, upwards of $10,000 per computer and a few hundred dollars a month to run that thing. And um, 
If the network was dying, people wouldn't be dumping in billions of dollars to buy new computers and to build new facilities to run these things. But yet here we are. It not only recovered, it recovered and went back to its the highest point it's ever been, which is which is pretty amazing. Um, just like I said, shows the resiliency. Now, if all of these people who are much smarter than you and I are putting hundreds of billions of dollars into this, what we call CapEx, investment capital, they're investing into their long-term business. These smarter people are investing hundreds of billions of dollars into this long-term strategy with Bitcoin. Uh, that's very bullish, right? But what's also pretty bullish about this is uh, there's been a big shift in the market that's pretty cool. Now, remember, markets stop going down when there's no more sellers, right? Supply and demand drives the price of everything. So if there's more supply than there is demand, there's more sellers than there are buyers, the price goes down. Simple. The opposite is true. If there's more people buying, more buyers than there are sellers, the price goes up, right? It's simple. So we want to look at the, that, that equation. Now, in the past, we saw Bitcoin miners that are producing the Bitcoin were always selling the Bitcoin. They need to sell the Bitcoin because they need to pay off their equipment. They have to pay for their, you know, their, their warehouse, their facility. They have to pay for the electricity that they're using. They will have to pay the, the employees and the business owners and all those things, right? And so as they were making that Bitcoin, they were selling it. But what we've seen is a big shift in the market. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, we saw um, these, these, these Bitcoin mining companies that they've all now come to the U.S. and they're all going public. And now they're raising money via public markets. And why that's important is because it's changed the makeup of this uh, miner. And now because they've went and raised all of this money at almost <laughs> free value, zero, zero uh, interest rate terms almost, um, they're not forced to sell the Bitcoin anymore. So we had a market where every, all the Bitcoin mined or a good majority of all the Bitcoin mined every day was being sold into the market. And there was enough buyers to buy it, you know. But what if we take that new supply away and the miners aren't selling it? So that's what we're exactly seeing. So we see here uh, figures from on-chain analytics firm Glassnode confirms the trend that the amount of Bitcoin supply going from a liquid to an illiquid state is now 100,000 Bitcoin per month. Dang, that's a lot. Uh, so and, and, it's, and it's a trend. So what they're doing is um, all these miners went and got this money. They're not they don't need to sell the Bitcoin anymore. They don't need to sell it. And so they're not. Uh, now they're putting it away. It's moving from a liquid to an illiquid state. What, what does that mean? So illiquid coins are those coins that have been sent to an address with little history of spending and um, generally associated with investor accumulation and bull market buyers. And so using Glassnode is one of the companies that you can see all of this on-chain data. And what we can see is we can see, like I said, it's, it's, open. It's anonymous. We don't know who owns these wallets, but it is open. We can see um, all the different wallets, um, how many coins they hold. And we can also see how often coins are going in and out of those wallets as well. And so what we're seeing here is that what they're calling illiquid coins are sent to an address with little history of spending. So they can look at these wallets and go, dang, they've been receiving all this Bitcoin, um, but they never spend it. All they do is they, 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 they hold, they hold, they hold, they hold. And so we would just naturally assume that whoever owns those wallets, again, it's anonymous, but whoever owns those is accumulating Bitcoin. They're not like a, they're not a trader. They're not, you know, they're not trying to buy and just sell real quickly. 
all they're doing is accumulating. And so basically once they take them, it's almost like those coins are going into a black box, a black hole, never to see the light of, of day again. And again, markets stop going down with the number of sellers. And so they're taking 100,000 Bitcoin per month off the market, which is pretty amazing, uh, I think. And so uh, you take into account that um, the majority of Bitcoin is being taken off the, off the exchanges. Remember, only 6% of all Bitcoin supply is sitting on exchanges. And then you have the Bitcoin miners taking 100,000 Bitcoin a month off the market and moving into a liquid state. That sounds like a leading indicator that tells me in the future, Bitcoin should continue to go higher because there's less people selling. Make sense? Now, there's two very, 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 very rich people, billionaires, that have some advice for us on what we should be looking at next. Um, I like to look at uh, the other smart people, see what they're doing. I want to tell you what these rich people are doing so you can do the same thing as them. You listen to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and the decentralized revolution that's happening. We're going to find out what the richest people in the world are doing next, so don't go away. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. 
If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. You are listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about Bitcoin. Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, the decentralized revolution. We're talking about this each and every week. So I hope that you're tuning in with me all the time. Try to make it the most important, the most profitable part of your week, bringing you the latest news of the week and the weekend to keep you up to date on the latest breaking news. And of course, I'm going to explain it to you to give you uh, give you the perspective on it that you need. Uh, we deep dive into education because... You need to have the understanding of what's really going on behind the scenes. And of course, I bring to you some of the best and brightest people in the space to you each and every week so we can pick their brains and we can learn from them. But today we're talking about, uh, right now we're talking about some of the, the hottest news stories of the week so you can be up to date. And we were talking about how, um, simply, markets stop going down when there's no more sellers. And so we're looking at the amount of buyers and sellers and trying to understand what that dynamic is, that supply-demand dynamic is. And um, I was explaining how um, almost we've been seeing this trend of all the Bitcoin is coming off of exchanges and is being held in private wallets. And the reason why that's important is because when you pull it off of an exchange, it's not liquid anymore, meaning um, you're probably not planning on selling it anytime soon. If you're planning on selling it sometime soon, it would be on the exchange. Um, and so that's super bullish, right? We're seeing all that come off. The other thing that's super bullish we talked about is that the miners are not selling their Bitcoin. As a matter of fact, now they're taking 100,000 Bitcoin a month off of the market. So again, sucking the supply out. As long as the demand stays the same, but the supply goes down, the price will go up. Um, and... <laughs> Some of these billionaires, they keep trying to move on it even harder. Now, Bitcoin has a, uh, you know, one of the most unique um, characteristics of Bitcoin is that it has a fixed supply cap, meaning there will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin, period. That's it. Now, um, a lot of Bitcoin has been lost. And so there's even less Bitcoin in circulation, but uh, we don't know exactly what that is. In some estimates, some people say there won't ever be more than 17 or 18 million in actual circulation. And probably over time, that amount just continues to go down because people continue to lose access to their private keys. I talked about this in a previous segment. It's like uh, in the old days, you had gold and you went and buried the gold in your backyard or somewhere, and then you made a treasure map to that gold. And if you lost your treasure map, that gold may be stuck in the ground forever, right? And so Bitcoin's kind of the same way. If you mine some Bitcoin and you, you secured it, but then you lost your private key, it may stay stuck there forever. And so, um, you know, estimates are, again, you know, maybe there's 17, 18 million in circulation. That amount probably goes down over time. But ultimately, there's never more than 21 million. Now, let's just take the 21 million number um, as it is. And then if we do some simple math, we can see that there's approximately 50 million millionaires in the world. 50 million. So, um 21 million coins, 51 million millionaires. There's not even enough Bitcoin for all the millionaires in the world to own half of one. <laughs> That's pretty dang scarce. All the millionaires can't even own half of one. Well, I own more than one. And someone else owns more than one. We saw this week MicroStrategy. Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy, one of the longest running CEOs of a publicly traded company in the tech space. Um, he's the CEO of a company called MicroStrategy, and they have been taking massive amounts of Bitcoin off of the market. As a matter of fact, they just acquired an additional 1,914 Bitcoin. 
an additional. Um, I think this brings them up to um, roughly in the 125,000 range or 140,000 range. I can't even keep track anymore. Um, but yeah, uh, another 1,914. Now, I was saying that there's not even enough Bitcoin for all the millionaires in the world to even own half of one. And so even if you just called it a half of one, well, he just took another um, 4,000 4, millionaires Bitcoin away from them. See how scarce this is? Now, a lot of times people ask me, I mean, especially when the price of Bitcoin is pumping even more, they say, Mark, 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 uh, you know, it always happens when, when we're at the highest points at the, at the halt all time highs. Mark, should I buy Bitcoin right now? Should I buy or, or, or should I wait? Should I wait? And, you know, and uh, I say yes. Well, 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 guess what? Should I buy or should I wait? Uh, yes. <laughs> Just buy, right? Just buy. And, and, and what I like to do is I look at, like to look at the richest people. Um, I've been investing into private deals, private equity, uh, venture capital deals for over a decade. And I always look at, I want to make sure there's smarter people in on the deal than I am, um, you know. I may think I'm smart, but I know there's a lot of people that are smarter than me. And so I want to see if the smarter people than me are in there um, because it gives me this kind of level of confidence that I'm not crazy. Um, they say if you're if you're not the smartest person in the room, room, you're in the wrong room. And so I like to look at what the smart people are doing. And so Michael, Michael Saylor is amazingly smart. He's literally a rocket scientist from MIT. Um, I've listened to hours and hours and hours of his uh, content and I've even been over to his house for a barbecue. And I can tell you that he is one of the smartest guys I have ever met. And so if he continues to buy Bitcoin, uh, they bought it uh, at this filing, they bought uh, 1914 Bitcoin at the average price of $49,000. And so if Bitcoin's good enough for him to buy at $49,000, it's probably good enough for you to buy at $49,000. If you can get it less, I mean, think about that. Right now, at the time of this uh, recording, it's sitting below $49,000. So you have a chance to buy Bitcoin cheaper than Michael Saylor. That's pretty amazing. So should you buy now or should you wait? Yes, buy now. Uh, follow his lead. Now, this is not financial advice. I'm not telling you what you should do. Uh, but uh, what you should do is... Um, act if you have a chance to be smarter than <laughs> a billionaire like Michael Saylor. Now, he's not the only one that's been making moves. As a matter of fact, we saw Mexico's third richest billionaire. He came out and said, invest in Bitcoin, stay away from dollars and euros. Now, again, it's not my not my financial advice. This is what he's saying. His name is Ricardo Salinas Pliego. And um, he recommends investing in Bitcoin and says, again, he says, avoid fiat money, of course, uh, kind of echoes what uh, Ray Dalio, one of the best investors in the world, uh, head of Bridgewater Capital, he says that cash is trash. Don't hold cash. And that's exactly what Ricardo is saying here. He's advised people to stay away from fiat currencies like the dollar and the euro and invest in Bitcoin, calling fiat, quote unquote, fake money made of paper and lies, end quote. Wow, that's a pretty hard. That's a pretty harsh uh, term there. Fake money made of paper and lies. He stressed that quote: "Central banks are printing more money than ever before." End quote. Think about that for a second. He calls fiat fake money made of paper and lies. Now, key on that lie terms. You know, a lot of times people think that um, money is neutral. Money is a tool, and like any tool, a tool could be used for good or it could be used for bad. Right. So, like. Um, 
a screwdriver. I could fix my, I don't know, car with a screwdriver, or I could stab somebody with a screwdriver, right? I could use it for good or bad. And people think money is also like that. It's a tool could be used for good and bad, but not really, not really. Fiat money, which is the money from our central banks, the paper money, fiat money, as he said, is made of paper and lies. Fiat money is made, is a system of lies, theft, and deceit. Meaning, as he says, is on lies. They lie to us. We don't know how many dollars there are. We don't know how many dollars there are today. We don't know how many dollars there will be in three months from now. It's deceit. They deceive us by telling us they're not going to print more. They do print more. And it's also theft. As they print more money, as they inflate the money supply, they're stealing the value from you. So it's built on theft, lies, and deceit. So anything built on the fiat money system is inherently evil. It can't be neutral when it's built like that. It incentivizes theft, lies, and deceit. So that's what he calls it, fake money made of paper and lies. So he says on Friday um, that he he posted on Twitter, um, he said, happy holidays. Um, And he said, uh, buy Bitcoin. His net worth is about $13 billion. um, And I like to take some advice from people like that. He says, stay away from fiat money, the dollar, the euro, the yen, or the peso. He even says his own currency, the peso. They are all the same story. It's fake money made of paper and lies. The central banks are printing more money than ever before. Invest in Bitcoin is what he said. And he also said that uh, he plans for his bank to accept Bitcoin and uh, his retail chain group, Grupo Electra, a leading retailer in Latin America, has also started to accept Bitcoin. Are oh, you listening to the Mark Moss Show? We're talking about Bitcoin, obviously. Um, I'm bringing to you the latest news stories of the week so you can stay uh, up to date. I'll be back with more. Don't go away. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, of course. Each and every week, we're talking about cryptocurrencies. We are talking about the decentralized revolution that's happening right before our very eyes. And I'm bringing to you the latest news stories from the market so you can stay up to date with the latest breaking news. I don't want you to get shaken out like what we call these weak hands. Uh, weak hands are people that don't understand what they came in for. They don't understand what they bought. They just buy and then they, uh, as, as soon as uh, as soon as the price drops a little bit or they get some bad news, they just sell. They have weak hands. Um, and so I don't want that to happen to you. And the way that you prevent that from happening to you is by having the information that you need to stay in the market. And so, you know, we, before the break, I was just talking about how some of the smartest people in the world, some of the richest people in the world, multi, multi, multi billionaires are, are buying Bitcoin. They're telling us to buy Bitcoin and they're pushing the adoption from that. We were talking about how Mexico's third richest billionaire, Ricardo, said that uh, fiat money is a system built on lies. And um, he says Bitcoin is the new gold, he said, and it's much more portable. So I think that was pretty good news. Another thing that's interesting this week, we saw that Iran now, Iran, or I'm sorry, uh, Iran, sorry if my pronunciation is wrong, um, allows renewable power plants to supply Bitcoin miners with electricity. So what's interesting is, um, you know, we talk about the miners, the Bitcoin miners, they have to use electricity in order to secure the network to process the transactions. And... um, in California, we have Representative Brad Sherman, who's up for re-election. I think uh, Erica, I think her name is Erica Rhodes, is running against him. If you're in California, definitely vote for her. Let's get Brad Sherman out. If you're listening to this, vote for Erica. Get Brad Sherman out. Now, Brad Sherman, he has been railing against Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And he said specifically, he said, um, I'll paraphrase. I don't have the exact quote pulled up. He said, he said, um, 
Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies um, undermine the authority of the sovereign currency of the U.S. dollar. And it takes away the ability of the U.S. government to use the dollar as a weapon against other countries, such as sanctions. He said specifically, it allows other countries like Iran, who have sanctions, to get around our sanctions. What do you think a country like Iran thinks about when they hear that? <laughs> They're like, really? You mean this is a way that we can get around sanctions? Oh, thank you for telling us that, Brad Sherman. Let's go ahead and adopt it then, right? The problem with sanctions is that um, the problem with sanctions. So basically, what sanctions are is that you know the dollar is the reserve currency of the world. Um, through the SWIFT banking system, uh, pretty much all the dollars flow through the United States. And so um, when uh, the United States doesn't like another country, they slap sanctions on them, meaning that they're going to have to pay a fee, they're going to have to pay a fine, or they won't even be able to use the financial system at all. And they use that as a way to try to get them to do things. So like, uh, whether it's Russia, Iran, whatever, uh, they're trying to, you know, China, they're trying to get them to lower their tariffs. Well, if you don't, then we're going to slap sanctions on you, right? And so we've put all these sanctions on Iran. And um, Brad Sherman comes out and says, hey, you know, it's uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies take away our ability to do that. And so, of course, they go, really? Well, let's jump on it. And so um, that may be what's happening, because as we can see now, authorities in Iran have decided to permit power generation plants using renewable sources to sell electricity to licensed cryptocurrency miners. The move comes after the government asked mining companies to suspend activities in order to avoid winter blackouts. So basically what they're saying is that now um, they are legalizing mining and they are now allowing these uh, cryptocurrency miners to um, get Get this, get this power and start mining these. Um, they were shutting down some licensed farms, but now they're allowing them to open back up again. Uh, Iran legalized Bitcoin mining in 2019 and introduced a licensing regime for entities operating in the industry. Um, yeah, so looks like they were listening to Brad Sherman and it looks like they uh, they like that and they want to <laughs> do more of that. Um, we can see that, uh, yeah, anyway, so I think that's big news. I think uh, this, what this does is this increases what we call game theory. So going back to the sanctions things, right? So let's say that I was having a party at my house and uh, someone's being too loud, so I kick them out. And then this guy, whatever, I kick them out. I kick them out, I kick them out, I kick that. Eventually, I've kicked everyone out of the party and I'm the only one left. And all those people got together and started their own party. So now they have their own party and I'm over here all by myself. And that's kind of like what's happening with the United States and the US dollar that they've they've weaponized the U.S. dollar against um, you know all these other nations and they're kicking them out one by one by one by one, and all these other nations are just going okay. Well, I guess we're out of the dollar. I guess we'll just deal in gold or we'll deal in oil or we'll deal in Bitcoin or whatever it may be. And so now Russia, Iran, China, they're all doing deals outside of the U.S. dollar, <laughs> and what's happening is the U.S. Dollar, the U.S. has kicked so many people out of the dollar system that we're going to find ourselves one of the only people left in the dollar. And then how much power do you have, right? I mean, if you're having a party and everyone's at your house, I mean, you kind of have control of what they do at your house because, of course, they're at your house. But when they leave and start their own party, you have zero control over what they're doing. And that's exactly what's happening. The U.S. has kicked so many people out and now we have no control. And so we have now, you know, oil being sold in gold, 
Um, now we have these other countries dealing in their own currencies um, and now even in cryptocurrency. And so when you see a nation like China, I'm sorry, like, like Iran, um, allowing licensing companies to mine cryptocurrencies, this is as what, what I keep saying, it's a leading indicator, right? This is this is big. This is something that, that could change the course of the world. And uh, what's interesting is they say that uh, they're allowing it to happen on plants uh, that, that run on renewable power. I didn't really take uh, Iran for um, one of the most uh, environmentally conscious um, nations, I might say. We know a few weeks ago, or now probably a few months ago at this point now, uh, most of the world leaders around the world got together in Glasgow for what was called COP26, um, where they talked about climate change and they talked about um, how they can save the world and how we can get to zero carbon emissions uh, by the year 2050. And don't worry, it's only going to cost about $150 trillion to get there. Um, <laughs> I don't know where they're going to get that $150 trillion. Uh, in, all the debt in the entire United States is only uh, about, well, not only, but less than $30 trillion. Now they want to go spend $150 trillion to do this. Uh, which is kind of insane, but uh, they anyway, the world leaders met, and uh, China and Russia didn't show up. They weren't interested in, I guess, hamstringing their companies, uh, forcing them to comply with some measures that nobody knows will fully even work, and basically cripple their industries. They didn't want to do that. Russia and China opted out. Uh, but I guess I don't know. Maybe maybe I ran with there. I didn't I didn't pay attention to that. But you know, it's it's interesting that you know they want to pass all these ESG narratives that stands for uh, environmental, social, and governance structures. And basically, what they're saying is the private sector is going to have to pay for most of this. Um, and so basically, the private sector is now going to have to hire consultants to come in and tell them how green they are well what their esg score is and then they have to figure out ways to comply better and then they have to pay all these taxes and regulations for that and um, it's just gonna make businesses have to hire more people and have more costs and guess what happens if business costs go up then their prices go up and if their prices get go up then guess what happens then you can't buy as many goods and services with your money anymore and so China and Russia aren't interested in that. We have uh, this ESG fund that started. And so now a lot of people are starting to buy. It was an iShares ETF. And uh, they were trading in, uh, it's the second biggest exchange traded fund investing in sustainable emerging market companies. And uh, an ETF raises money. They buy these things. And in just two days, the iShares ESG um, ETF lost 91% of its total assets, crashing to below $70, 70 million briefly from over 800 million right before Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve was 800 million, today it's 70 million, lost 91% of its total assets. I guess these investors are finally figuring out that you can't slap businesses with a bunch of regulations and costs and expect them to still be profitable. Um, and so it's interesting to see what's gonna happen with that. Uh, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, we're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about how Iran is letting uh, cryptocurrency miners use their power as long as it's on renewable. I'm bringing you the latest in the news. Thanks for listening. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you.
Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.